What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the Warhammer 40k podcast where you get to write the script. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show and maybe even jump your story in the line or maybe even read stories with me or maybe you have a story you would like to read to me, head on over to Patreon at Lorehammer Listener Lore and check out all the cool ways to get involved and support the show. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the 40k podcast where you get to write the script. I'm your host, Marcus, and uh, joining me today, we got a guest called Jack. Hey, how's it going? Very good. Thanks for joining me on the show and uh, thanks for being a Patreon member. Uh, It's great to be here. Love Lorehammer a couple of years now. Nice. Um, yeah, we, we were doing that show for a while. So some people are like veterans of the show, you know, they just have been around for a minute, but very cool. Yeah, I think I, I found Warhammer, I think it was right before COVID, January of 2020. Cool. That's when I, that's when I took the, the head first dive and the deep end for Warhammer and it just, <laughs> it's I'm completely drowned and my body's just completely waterlogged <laughs> at this point. It's bad. <laughs> Well, um, today we are actually reading your lore, and we're doing something we haven't done on Listener Lore yet. Like, you have written 18 pages of lore for us to go through. So we're going to break it up. We're going to read half of it today, and then on tomorrow's episode, we're going to read the other half for you guys. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Um, Do you have any, like, do you have, like, one sentence you want to share with us about your lore before we get into it? So it is Necron, um, and... It, it's a little bit of a different take on that, Ron, I think. Okay, okay, okay. Well, I'm excited to get into it. Um, so this story is The Smiling Lord, and it is by you, Jack. Mm-hmm. So if you want to take it away, and uh, yeah, we'll get into it. Absolutely, sounds good. The room was hot and stuffy, likely a byproduct of the large number of Necron tier milling around in the ornate meeting house. The low sound of chatter and whispering created an ambient buzz that would have annoyed most and driven others mad. Akmotep enjoyed the noise, though. It was the sound of controlled chaos, a vast opportunity to mingle and network with other lords. All of the dynasties were present, called together by the silent king. Cesaric had yet to make an appearance, so the lords and nobles were discussing among themselves the recent events. The war was a common topic, as was the nature of the mysterious Catan that had encountered, they had encountered recently. Aquatech took a long breath and stepped into the fray. He moved slowly, his cane making soft taps on the floor as he weaved through the bodies, searching for a lord that might be willing to talk. Most of the Necrontier gave him cursory glances or looks of disdain. He could even hear some snickering. He knew he was not a popular leader, his dynasty had been reviled before his ascension. And even though he had made sweeping changes, it still carried the stigma of a weak dynasty. 
His appearance did not help either. All Necrontier were afflicted to varying degrees by their hazardous environment, but Aquantep suffered more than most. He was hunched over considerably, unable to stand at his full height, the cane being the only thing keeping him from toppling over. His skin hung loosely from his frail, thin frame. It had a sickly power to, pallor to it. Patches were discolored or even showing signs of rot. It all combined to paint the picture of a weak and dying Necrontier, unfit for command. And so he was hated almost as much as his dynasty. None of this affected his mind, though, which was sharp, quick, and full of plans for the future. He caught a glance of one of the up-and-coming lords, Imhotek, and started to make his way towards him. It would be prudent to make an alliance with one of the more powerful lords. A few meters from the lord, a voice rang out behind him, stopping him in his tracks. I did not realize that the filth had been invited to walk amongst the great lords of the Necrontia. It was a silky, powerful voice, drawing the attention of all around them. Akmotep turned around, a scowl creeping across his face. For him stood Hetsep, the Great, one of the more influential overlords. He towered over Akmotep, erect like a statue. His skin was relatively unmarked, showing little signs of the rampant sickness that crushed the Necrontier race. In nearly every respect, he seemed the polar opposite of Akmotep, the picture of health and power. A wry smile was tugging at the edges of Hetsep's mouth, evidence of the pleasure he took in ridiculing Akmotep. I was invited here by the Silent King himself, Akmotep replied in his raspy voice. I serve the Triarch and readily obey their summons. Hetsep sneered. You think that's because you take control of a weak dynasty and act like a petulant Fool, naming it after yourself, that we will accept you as one of our own? Our blood flows with the right to rule and with true commitment to our great cause. You are a lowly courtier, playing at God to be like the rest of us. There was a general murmur of agreement on all sides. I would crush you in your dynasty and add it to my own. However, that seems like too much work. You'll be dead within a year, and then your great dynasty will crumble and die like you. I will pick up the pieces after, or perhaps you will surrender before that. It always seems like the weak beg for a swift and painless end rather than face their excruciating existence. Hetsep laughed as he walked off, many of the lords following under his weight. Aquantep watched them go, his blood boiling with rage. He did not let that rage surface, though. Better not to show that his rival got under his skin. Many of the lords passing him muttered insults and curses. He did not make eye contact. To do so would betray the great hatred he carried for each and every one of them. A rising chorus of voices drew behind him drew his attention away. The dryer had arrived. On an elevated platform on the opposite end of the hall, three figures could be seen stepping towards a wide podium. The center figure, moving with a slow grace, caught his attention. As they reached the podium, a quiet settled over the crowd. The silent king gazed down, surveying his subjects before him. For a brief moment, Akmotep thought the king made eye contact with him. A feeling of pride bubbled within him. The king was one of the few Necrontier he respected. 
one of the few that treated him as an overlord instead of some upstart rebel. The pharaons on either side of Zarek began to speak. Lords of the Necrontia, the Triarch have come to a decision. An agreement has been made with the great beings, the Catan. They will assist us in our quest to rid the galaxy of the plague of the old ones. They will grant us new immortal forms of metal. These forms will ensure our victory, giving us strength far beyond anything we can dream of now. Soon the time will be upon us to give up our mortal forms and become the rulers we were meant to be. Immortal beings destined to rule the galaxy as is our birthright. There was a general roar of approval. Akhotep could feel the blood rising in his cheeks. Immortal, the possibilities were endless. The power he could wield. A smile broke out on his lips. He stared at the podium, focused on the king, silently thanking him for his resolve to win the war and take the Necrontier into the future. You think this will save you? Hetsep's voice rang out in front of him, cutting through the den. No metal body will change what you are. A weakling. The fury Aquatep felt boiled over. He threw himself at the overlord in front of him, his hands reaching out, his cane clattering to the ground. They wrapped themselves around Hetsep's throat, only they were no longer hands of flesh. They were hard, silvery metal, filled with a malicious strength. Hetsep no longer stood over him. Instead, Aquatep towered over him, lifting him off his feet, squeezing his hands tighter and tighter. The overlord's eyes were bulging. He could feel the neck bones breaking under his iron grasp. He felt joy. He felt power. He felt completion. He could see the universe before him, armies of silver warriors behind him, ready for his command. As the life drained from Hetsep's face, Aquintep's grin widened. He looked back up at the triarch. The silent king was staring at him, a cold sense of pride emanating from his gaze. There was nothing that could stop him. Soon he would rule the... The bright green lights flickered to life. Two eyes awakening to the outside world once again. Aquintep took in his surroundings. He was atop an elevated crypt in the center of a large room. Below him, he could see a cryptech analyzing a data terminal. Some Necron warriors walked stiffly around the room. Canoptic scarabs were flying around, making a whirring sound as they tended to their duties. He could no longer feel any sensations in his metal body, but there was a burning desire deep within his chest. It was time to get to work. Finally, he said. That's very cool. Um, you don't see often a lot of stuff like written about the Necron turn. I think he did like a great job of it. Yeah, and, and I thought it was pretty good excuse to kind of do whatever I wanted to just kind of say it was a dream at the very end because it's obvious he, this is what he's been dreaming about for the 60 million years that he's been asleep. So Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so it's like if, it, it, if it's inaccurate, it's just his view of kind of what happened. So Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to do it. And you even included some named characters in there, like the Silent King. And I really like the uh, when you included uh, Imhotep the Storm Lord, but you never, like, he, I thought you were going to go talk to him, but then you didn't. And it was this perfect little, like, okay, cool. I'm getting these, like, little pieces of who's there, but I'm not really, you're not messing with anybody. No, no, I definitely don't want to, don't want to include any, like, characters that I didn't really come up with myself. I didn't want to get 
anywhere close to trying to break the lore. So yeah, no, it was, it was sweet. Like, uh, yeah, I really like that. And I've always liked the Necron politics, like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, just the, the idea of them at court and stuff. Very cool. I'm excited to see where this goes. Nowhere good. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that was the prologue and this is part one. Ekmotek's voice projected through his sound modulator echoed around the city square. There was still a raspy edge to his voice, despite it being completely mechanically generated. A large crowd of Xenos were gathered below, staring uncaringly up at their new ruler. The Necron had easily conquered the small world. It had been an easy target, an unadvanced species barely capable of traversing their own solar system. It had fallen in a matter of days. With the planet's leadership and military decimated, it had been a simple matter to enslave the population. Rejoice, my subjects, he thundered. You are now liberated in the light of the Necron. No longer shall you serve your short-sighted masters. You now join a great empire with no end. The crowd stared up, their faces blank unsure of what to feel in the face of this mechanical demigod proclaiming his superiority and legacy to them. I know you believe me to be your enemy. Yes, I killed many of your people and eradicated your leaders. But now, now you have purpose. You now have guidance. The dead were simply foolish cowards who could not accept the truth of my rule. He lifted his arms up as if they would lift the spirit of the crowd before him. Rejoice, for I am granting you peace and prosperity that will last into eternity. No longer will you have to answer your oppressive, evil leaders. I have liberated you, and I will take you into the future as my servants, my workers, my people. He enjoyed this part. Manipulation was an important aspect in gaining and retaining power. If the people believed they were liberated and working towards a greater cause, he could focus less resources on keeping them in line in the future. This was especially important considering the lack of resources he currently commanded. It was unlikely that he could keep this up for much longer. His empire was quickly approaching its maximum size if he wanted to retain even the slightest bit of authority throughout the planets he had conquered. The people might be slaves, but for now, happy slaves would be far better than rebellious slaves. That would require manpower to deal with. Manpower he did not currently have. I usher in a new age. I do not ask much from you. I will not rule you with an iron fist. I will only ask that you serve me by erecting monuments to your overlord. You may take your time erecting them. I am a patient ruler. Feed your families, water your lands, rebuild, regroup. Just remember that I am watching over you and I expect loyalty from my subjects. Disloyalty will be dealt with in the same way I dealt with your weak leaders. He could see some of the crowd stirring, asking their neighbors if this was true. A good threat worked wonders when taking over a planet. Everyone remembers how terrible your coming was. They did not want that to be repeated. But fear not. I do not come to usher in a new oppressive regime. I have come to open your planet to the wonders of the galaxy. 
As part of my growing empire, you will soon be exposed to vast array of planetary resources with which you can create a society worthy of my rule. He had them in his grasp. Now he needed only to close out his speech before these slaves would be eating out of his hand. These Xenos were even easier to kill than the last bunch. You may think that you will be treated as mere slaves, but I promise you riches beyond your comprehension, technological wonders that shall baffle your mind. Under my rule, you shall achieve heights you could never have possibly dreamed of. I will lead you into this bright tomorrow as a benevolent and peaceful conqueror. I will see to it that, my lord, a metallic voice resounded behind him. He paused, annoyed that the flow of his speech had been broken. I will see to it that, my lord, monotone robotic voice echoed. This time his fury was stoked. Ekmotek wheeled on the speaker, one of its courtiers, a cryptic name, Texip, stood before him. He took a step forward, placing his face inches away from Texip. What? What is it? What could possibly be more important that you interrupt me while I'm speaking? I have made an abundantly clear that I, will, I was never to be interrupted lest I lose my temper, he hissed out. Texip paused. He was far less emotional than his overlord but he still felt a distant twinge of fear staring into Ekmotep's glowing eyes. The left eye began to flicker on and off, almost giving the impression that Ekmotep's eye was twitching. It was likely the result of programming error or corruption that had seeped into their 60 million sleep, but it only seemed to happen when he was especially angry. Texip spoke quickly. He knew what his overlord was capable of, and he did not want to feel his wrath. My lord, we have located the Rin Dynasty tomb worlds. The flickering stopped immediately. In fact, all movement stopped. Ekmotep's seemed frozen in place, unaware of all else around him. It took some time before he was completely done processing the information he just received. You sure? He finally managed to croak out. Yes, my lord. The cartographer is certain that he has located some of the systems that the Rin used as tomb worlds. And the crown world, Akmotep asked. We are currently in the process of searching for the systems of the crown world, Texip replied. Get my ship. We must meet, leave immediately, Akmotep said, moving away from the podium. But sire, Texip queried, what of the rest of your speech to your slaves? To the immaterium with them. This is far more important, he said, walking away. He could hear the uneasy murmuring of the crowd behind him, but that mattered little now. All these years, Hepzep was within his grasp. If he was lucky, the Farron would not have awakened, and he could easily swoop in and eradicate his enemy once and for all. It seemed fate that he should be awarded this opportunity. Fortune smiled on those willing to take it. He had discovered after his awakening that the majority of the other dynasties spread throughout the galaxy remained in their slumber. This provided him with a unique opportunity to seize power while his competition slept. True, the current races throughout the galaxy were strong and widespread, but they, but with an expanded army, they would learn how powerful the Necron were and why they were destined to dominate. 
Akmotep enjoyed these new times. There was a galaxy to exploit and rule. The war in heaven had been harsh and fierce. While the grim darkness of the far future provided only war, it was a trifle compared to what had transpired 60 million years ago. These young races were interesting, but weak. The Imperium seemed strongest, yet it had a tenuous hold over the galaxy and were succumbing to the forces of chaos and a multitude of Xeno's threats. The slaves from the Imperial worlds he had captured had told him as much. While the Imperium might be hard nut to crack, Akmotep was pleased that he did not have to deal with the Eldar as much. They had been quite the nuisance during the waning years in the War of Heaven. His dynasty had been one of the many tasked with keeping them in check. As a result, he had kept a watchful eye on the heart of their empire, fighting many battles against them over the years. He owed his vast combat experience and expert fighting style to dealing with them during the war. However, now he rarely encountered them, and when he did, he saw them as withered shade of their former glory. The great empire he had watched so closely had been replaced by a great eye, an eye that spewed forth nothing but vile ranks of the warp. These thoughts flowed through his head, among others, as he was taken to his flagship in orbit. Once aboard, his task became clear and sharp again. The destruction of Rin Dynasty must be completed. As soon as he boarded the ship, he quickly marched to the map room, a space that he had ordered the construction of to aid in his search of Hepsep. As he entered, the cryptic and a human both looked up from the screen they were working at. The cryptic bowed low, resting on one knee. The human merely bowed his head in respect. Akmotep towered over him, but he cared little for the nonchalant matter in which he was acknowledged. This human, though lowly, had performed a great and vital service for him. Unlike most humans he had met, this one had substituted many mechanical parts for his biological ones. His legs and arms were a mess of wires and metal. They possessed many tools and appliances to make him work more efficient. Much of his body was the same, as was half of the man's head. When he spoke, the sound came out in an automated, neutral response. It was not unlike the Necron voice, but far less chilling and grinding. Lord Akmotep, I assume you were told of our discovery, Lasius Mira said. Yes, where is it? Akmotep replied, walking to the screen the tech priest was working at. He noticed the nervous glance that he was given as he stepped next to him. Mara might be working for him now, but his proximity still unnerved the man. Most lords would have found little use for such a lowly and weak race such as the humans, but Akmotech was short on cryptics and figured that the Imperium and its allies, the Adeptus Mechanicus, as he had learned from Mara, had better records of the galaxy in its current form than anything his dynasty possessed from 60 million years prior. An awful lot has changed, and if he was going to have slaves, he might as well maximize their usefulness to him. He also enjoyed the little mechanical man. After he had capulated to the Necron, it became apparent he was fascinated by their technology. Akmotech had allowed him to study his Necron tech, and in return, Mara worked on locating the Rin dynasty. As a former Mechanicus cart cartographer, he was well suited to the task. The tech priest gestured to the screen. We were able to locate a massive energy surge in this cluster of stars here. 
we don't know the exact location it was from, but I do know a few systems in that area. If we get closer, we might be able to pinpoint the exact location, he said. How do you know it's the Rin Dynasty? I don't recall them being located in that area of the galaxy, Ekmotek asked. Your master program was able to communicate with it and confirm the dynasty. Your cryptic would know the procedure better than I, Mara explained. It is so, my lord. It is the Rin Dynasty, the cryptic said robotically. Akmotep's eyes dimmed just a shade. While the switch to living metal bodies had provided strength and immortality, he was disappointed it had stripped the personalities of so many Necron. The best part of the game was manipulation and conflict with other individuals. The thrill was largely lost when almost everyone you talked to was a soulless husk, immune to manipulation. He turned back to Mara. At least he was somewhat interesting. You have done well. I can finally begin to shape the galaxy with the resources I shall gain from conquering them, he said. The flesh side of Mara's face fell slightly. He did not enjoy the idea of betraying his home and his people, but Akhmatek knew just how to ensure that he would not stray from helping him when he was so close to his goal. For providing me with information, you shall be handsomely rewarded. He, he looked up at the cryptic. Give Lachilius a new mechanical part, something from our tech that can be grafted onto his body. Instantly, the tech priest's face lit up both figuratively and literally. Do you truly mean that? He asked incredulously. Of course, you deserve it. Ekmotep responded, laying on the adulation in his voice as thickly as his speech systems would allow. The text priest looked away, his mind obviously racing with ideas of what might be added to him. Ekmotep felt, warm, felt that warm glow inside once again. It was rare nowadays, but the game was always pleasurable when it was played right. He turned and left the room, walking towards the bridge. It was time to give Hepsep a visit. Wow. Dude, you're, you're yeah. a very good writer. Like, um, Thank you. Like, very good. That was so easy to read. There's so much cool little details. Like, you, you snuck in a master program in there. Um, little spoiler alert, does the master program come up at all again? Uh, no, not really. Okay, I'll, I'll make it up in my mind then. That's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Matt, cool. Um, I like, too, that the tech priest, he seems like he's going to be a very interesting uh, character. I can't wait to see what kind of Necron tech he gets. It doesn't really come up too much. He's just kind of, it's, they're definitely not giving him anything cool. Like they're probably <laughs> just giving him like, probably something like a little nano scarab thing that's going to like fix his parts or whatever. Like they're not giving him anything that's going to make him dangerous. Yeah. But it's, hey, like it's really just to keep him occupied. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I like the Lord. Like, uh, yeah, just, yeah. He likes this game. Like when you're this all powerful, like, indestructible god figure you're like yeah you're manipulating people even when he's making his speech he's like yeah i'm full of bullshit i'm just i'm just telling them what they want to hear but i really like it it's it it's how i picture necron for sure yeah i i definitely wanted him to be a lot more emotive than most necron i think are depicted because they tend to be very like non-emotional yeah e even after necron they, they they still haven't been made like completely Mm -hmm. like a motive and i wanted him to be a little bit more invested in his work 
Yeah, and, and you you did that with a you added that one line where it's like, yeah, either corruption or just time or whatever, you know, created that little bit of oddity in him, um, including like that cool little eye flicker where, yeah, when he gets yeah. super angry. Yeah, like all those little details, man, are super cool. I, I'm excited to hear more. Um, do you want to start Absolutely. the next part or do you have anything else to say about this one? Uh, no, I can get started on uh, part two. Part two, dive in. <clears throat> The Necron warriors manning their various posts working the bridge were unfazed by the drumming, as were the scarabs buzzing around, tinkering with systems. The same cannot be said for the small group of courtiers gathered around the large throne in the center of the bridge. They were a collection of cryptics and a few minor lords of the Aquatep dynasty. They moved very little, there was no need for it at the moment, but every now and again, one might share a glance with another, seeming to transmit the same thought throughout the group. The only sources of movement were Mara fidgeting with some of his mechanical attachments and Aquatep's metal fingers rising and falling on the throne's armrest, making the drumming noise. He had been drumming his fingers for some time now. Mara had come and gone out of the bridge several times, often leaving for days to get work done. Every time he had returned, Aquatep and his court had been in the same places, the only sound the drumming of the metal fingers on the armrest. There was a tension among the courtiers, as if the monotony was broken and might cause a great calamity. Aquatep had his head propped on one fist, leaning towards the opposite side of his free hand on the armrest. If he was aware of the tension, partaking in it, or simply lost in thought, it was impossible to tell. His eye had also begun to flicker once the... His eye had also begun to flicker since the last time Mara had visited the bridge. He knew he would have to address the situation at some point. He took a deep breath and walked up to the base of the throne. He could feel the eyes of the court on his back as he did so. Aquatep made no indication that he saw the tech priests approaching. My lord, he asked hesitantly. What is it, Mara? came the reply. It has been several days since you've last spoken or given orders. Is everything all right? He asked. It has been over 60 million years since I've seen Faron Hetsep. He is finally within my grasp, and yet I must sit here and wait until we arrive. I know I am immortal. Time means little to me. I shouldn't care if this takes a day or a thousand years. The outcome will likely be the same either way. Still, I cannot help but be infuriated at the time it is taking us to reach our destination. Most lords in my position would be patient. I have been patient, but now there is no time to waste. The more of his forces that awaken before we arrive, the harder the battle will be once we get there. There is also the chance that another dynasty or some alien race will reach him first and steal my prize from me. I will not abide any failure on this mission, not from myself and certainly not from anyone underneath me. Mara could hear the court shift uneasily behind him. My lord, we will be there soon. There is no need to fret. No need, Akhmatep said, finally rising to his feet. Mara took a few steps back. The overlord was towering over everyone before him now, one fist clenching, 
one fist clenching into a fist and the other wrapping around the great war scythe he kept next to the throne. No need to fret. How long have we been traveling for now? He asked, his eye flickering quicker than before. For several years now, my lord, Mara answered quietly. Yes, several years. And tell me, when are we to arrive? Came another question. Soon, my lord, Mara exclaimed. We should be there within the week. Yes, within the week, Akhmatep said, stepping down from the throne into the midst of his court. And we have nothing to do but sit here and hope. My lord, Mara began. Hoping is not something we do, Akhmatep raged. It is a crutch of the weak. If you are powerful, you do not hope. You simply will something to happen, and it does. I've had to live that way for the entirety of my life. Do you think I hoped that the weak-willed lord that ruled this dynasty before me would just drop dead? Do you think that I retained my mind and individuality by hoping that the Catan would not take it from me? Do you think that I just hoped that every planet I visited would just capitulate to me as soon as I appeared in the sky? Of course not. I had to seize my own destiny for myself. Every being is responsible for ensuring that they end up on top. But it is only the ones that are the most determined that have any success. I used to be ridiculed for my appearance. I had trouble walking down a long hallway because it hurt me so much. Did it stop me? No. I persevered. I overcame. But now I am forced to sit back and hope my adversary is untouched in the void of the majority of his power that he could bring to bear against me. There was a general silence that followed the outburst. Mara had shrunk back even more from him. He might have been serving him for some time now, but he still feared the Necron overlord before him. I will defeat my enemies, Mara. Talk to me like that again, and I will count you among them, he said, his voice barely above a whisper. Yes, my lord, Mara answered, lowering his gaze. At that moment, the great door to the bridge opened, Texep marching through the opening. Aquantep turned to him, regaining some of his composure. My lord, the device is ready, Texep said, holding out a dark orb-like object. A feeling of relief passed over Akhmatep. At least he would have a weapon to use against his enemy that might ensure his victory in the long run. You were able to build it then, he said. I was, my lord. It was not easy. Our programming is nearly impossible to overcome. Luckily, this will not affect the programming, Texep answered. Oh, Aquintep asked, curious. It was far easier to manipulate the pocket dimensions surrounding him. Regardless, it will have the desired effect. You will have to find a permanent way to deal with Hetsep, though, Texep answered. Don't worry about that, Aquintep said, turning back towards the view screen at the front of the bridge. I already have a plan to deal with him permanently. The next week went by in a flash. There was a blur of activity as the small fleet prepared its forces. There was an issue with the small number of destroyers the dynasty had, but the Cryptex were able to calm them down with the promise of future violence. Aquintep spent his time honing his combat programming. He spent his days training with his Warsythe. 
well, TechSep noted that training was unnecessary due to the nature of their programming. Aquantab felt otherwise. He believed that in order to truly understand something, even if one was programmed to know it, you had to physically do the action. It all played out the way the program dictated, but it did give Aquatep a feeling of accomplishment. He would need to be at the top of his game to defeat Hetsep. The tension became palpable by the time they were ready to drop the inertialist drive. As they had gotten closer to the system, they had been able to pinpoint the crown world as the fourth planet in the system. Aquatep gathered his court to him on the bridge in preparation for their arrival. He sat upon his throne, relishing the moment. He looked over as Mara gave him the signal. They were about to arrive. He stood, drawing the attention of the court. Today we reach the end of our great journey. We have finally found the Rin Dynasty. We shall conquer them and take what is rightfully ours. Today will be a day that we take with us into eternity. We shall all remember this as the day that we... Aquatep was cut off by the image that appeared on the view screen as they dropped out of their inertialist movement. His eye immediately began flickering. Hovering above the fourth planet was a cluster of Tyranid bioships. Several tendrils were extended towards the surface, no doubt sucking up any harvested biomass that had been reaped thus far. What is that? What is that? Aquatep muttered. What is that? He bellowed when no one answered. Uh, I, I believe they are tyrannids, my lord. Mara answered. I can see that. What are they doing here? Aquantep said, still fuming. I don't know, Mara said. There were never any reports of high fleets reaching this far into the galactic northwest. I suppose it's possible that they are a small splinter feet of high fleet leviathan that came from underneath the galactic plane. They may have been attracted by energy given off by the two worlds reawakening. I don't care how they got here. They are destroying the planet, Aquantep screamed. Prepare the fleet, prepare for battle. My lord, one of his courtiers asked, we are not ready for a battle against Tyranids. Shut up, Aquantep raged. Lord Mecht, you will command the fleet. Destroy those tendrils going to the planet. We need to starve this fleet to destroy it. All non-fleet Necron will come with me to the planet's surface. We need to make sure that the Wind Dynasty survives this. As he said the words, the irony of them stung his pride. But now he had no choice. If the Tyranids destroyed the Hetsep Dynasty, then there would be nothing left to salvage. He stormed off the bridge, grabbing his war scythe as he left. There was work to be done. Wow. Okay, I'm on the edge of my seat, man. That was super cool. I, I really loved all the Lord's like long dialogues where it's basically like just paragraphs of him talking to, talking to himself because he probably doesn't care what other people think. Oh, no, he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just basically rambling to himself. It, yeah, I really like it. I, you had a cool line in there, too, about the destroyers. Like, yeah, just hold on, destroyers. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get you the destruction you want. Just hold on a little longer. <laughs> yeah, I, I got... I, I, I can just imagine like a bunch of destroyers that are just like, they've been on this ship for like years at this point, <laughs> traveling to this destination. They've got to be just like chomping at the bit to yeah. do something. Every now and again, um, like a, a ship or a hole gets blown in the side of the ship or whatever. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah. They're definitely like freaking out and like 
for the for the cryptex to be down there being like hold on just like a couple more days and then you'll get to kill stuff <laughs> yeah. they're, they're gonna be later. super happy about this about this uh tyranid fleet though yeah yeah it's cool i i'm super excited but uh that is all we're gonna share about this one for today um so you're gonna have to join us on tomorrow's episode to get part three and four and do you have a fifth one as well hmm. uh, so it's yeah it's part three and then the epilogue after part three cool very cool man I'm, I'm super hyped to see where this goes uh necron versus tyranids it's like i you i always wonder like why would they fight each other but yeah it, i feel like it's always more so the necron engaging the tyranids more so than the tyranids engaging the necron like mm-hmm. the tyranids are fucking up a planet like this situation they're like hey that's my planet fuck you tyranid yeah very cool man uh this was a fantastic read thank you so much for joining me no problem. It's great to be on. Yeah. And uh, if you liked it, come join us for tomorrow. Uh, Jack will be on sharing more with us. So uh, yeah, stay tuned for the next episode of Lorehammer Listener Lores. I'm super fucking hyped. Let's go. Let's go. Thanks for listening. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our Patreon page and support the show at Lorehammer Listener Lore. See you next episode. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.